This is the WTF Bach Podcast. This is the podcast about all things Johann Sebastian Bach. Brought to you by Evan Shinners. WTF Bach. Brought to you by Evan Shinners. Join WTF Bach as he guides your mind through a contrapuntal journey. And now, here's WTF Bach. Hi, I'm Evan Schinners. You may call me WTF Bach. You may call me Evan Schinners as you wish. The goal of this podcast is to get you to hear Bach the way I hear this music. The whole idea behind this podcast is to help you appreciate this ornate, this elaborate music by breaking it down, dissecting it, and then putting it together again. Upon rehearing this music, you will now know exactly what to listen for and come away with new appreciation. Now, I believe in doing this because Bach's music, while capable of being appreciated on almost any level, becomes more profound with scrutiny. Bach's music is like outer space. It's beautiful from any perspective, but with telescopes it suddenly becomes all that much more mind-blowing. Mind, mind blown. We have arrived at the ninth fugue, 9 out of 14, so we are making our way through this difficult work with gusto, baby. Now, a brief recap of the entire Art of Fugue to this point with some music. The first fugue. Second fugue is bouncy. The third fugue is upside down. The fourth fugue is upside down in a different way, and that is the end of chapter one. Chapter two opens with the fifth fugue, lots of stretto going on. and diminution. The seventh fugue is stretto and diminution and augmentation. And that's the end of chapter two. Now chapter three, the compound fugues now, ooh, exciting. The eighth fugue opens with a triple fugue in three voices. Here is the first subject. Here is the second subject. Here are those two subjects combined. third subject, of course. Now we see all three subjects combined. Now, the ninth fugue is a fugue in four voices, but it is a double fugue instead of a triple fugue. Now, fugue 10 will be again a double fugue in four voices, and fugue 11 will be a triple fugue in four voices, and that will be the end of chapter 3. And we'll discuss in the next episode what the difference is between this double fugue number 9 and the double fugue number 10. But first, let's go into fugue number 9. Number 9. Number 9? Will I be sued for imitating the Beatles? Well, speaking of the Beatles, actually, I have to tell you something about Bach and the Beatles. Uh, Paul McCartney has said on many occasions that Blackbird was inspired by Bach. He even goes on to demonstrate how in many of these interviews. You should look it up. He talks about the bourree from the lute suite in E minor. A very famous piece. And he mentions that he and George were trying to learn this bourree to sort of show off to people. And as Paul was learning this piece, he was 
I don't know, making some mistake, and out of the mistake came Blackbird. So there you go. Even the Beatles have to show off. Back to the fugue. This double fugue of the ninth counterpoint is about the most clear example of a double fugue possible. You've been listening to this podcast. You have a pretty clear idea of what a fugue is. So what is a double fugue? How does a fugue become double? Let's try and visualize this. We've got four lines here, four independent lines. You could make them orange in your mind. You could make them jagged looking in your mind. But when the fugue becomes double, it's not as if there are going to be eight lines suddenly. We're still going to remain in four lines, but now we're going to have two shapes. So maybe there are in your mind four lines. Two of them are jagged orange and two of them are round in purple. That is sort of the idea that a double fugue is. And every time one particular shape, like let's say this round, I don't know, purple sphere appears, then you have the orange jagged line appearing in one of the other lines. That could be sort of a visualization of what a double fugue is. It's easier to hear. So let's hear it. This fugue, just like the eighth fugue starts out with a theme that we have previously not heard. So right here, we hear the entrance of this wild jagged and exciting line. And it's of course imitated in the other voices. All four voices now. That is a single fugue because a fugue before it can become a double fugue has to lay out every element of the quote single fugue so or a simple fugue I should call it. So that's the simple fugue there. And now our second theme here is the art of fugue theme that we know very well. And we'll hear it up in the soprano here. As soon as we hear that artifugue theme that we know, we say, aha, he's he's made it the double fugue. He's combined the artifugue theme with this original jagged theme that we heard at the beginning of this fugue, and now this is officially a double fugue. Bach has written many double fugues before in his life. And this isn't just another double fugue. Okay, this is a double fugue in the art of fugue. So Bach is going to do something a little extra for this double fugue. So what he's going to do is he's going to take these two themes, the one art of fugue theme and the jagged other theme, and he's going to make them work at two different intervals. So we could try and understand this if we take two of our own themes. Let's take London Bridge is falling down and the American National Anthem. Now, the point here in choosing these two melodies is that they begin on the same note, in this case, G. So our understanding of these two themes is that they begin, one could say, in unison or on a unison or on the same note. out pretty well considering I just chose these two themes at random. But the point is that these two themes are at the unison, one could say. So to make counterpoint at a different interval, one would have to begin shifting one of the melodies around. So why don't I start by shifting London Bridge is falling down, down a third to E, so that we have instead of counterpoint at the unison, counterpoint at the third. That was 
That was interesting. I mean, that almost worked, except for the end there of London Bridge. The intervals got sort of screwed up. Uh, let's try and shift the national anthem around and keep London Bridge on G. having a lot of fun with this because actually it's turning out better than I had thought, but uh, that one there was beginning to sound a little bit more like Charles Ives and less like actual counterpoint that works at two intervals. But the point is that this is how Bach was sort of thinking, although he wasn't thinking of these simple diatonic melodies. He was really thinking of complicated fugal subjects which had a lot of chromatics in them. So imagine going from this London Bridge is Falling Down melody to the complicated melody that begins this fugue and then having to adjust that as a shape. And then of course the real genius of Bach shines through when you realize that it's not like he was sitting around using trial and error. It's not like he was sketching these out and saying, oh, well, it doesn't work at the second, maybe I'll try the third. Oh, it doesn't work the third, maybe I'll try the fourth. He saw all of this in his mind right before he even wrote it down, like a true genius who was able to see a series of numbers, a series of conclusions, who's able to make logic and draw conclusions from that logic in his head instantly. Bach was able to do this with these two things. You, you are listening to WTF. Hey, I know what a double fugue is. It's just the combination of two melodies and you can move them around and stuff. Well, look, you have to imagine what I showed you with London Bridges Falling Down and the American National Anthem is merely the principle of what's going on, as if it's sort of the philosophy of the entire fugue. But in reality, if I wanted to create a fugue like the one that Bach wrote here, I would first need to write a fugue in four voices on London Bridge is Falling Down, and then when that's finished, when all four voices have been exposed, I'd have to bring in the American National Anthem one voice at a time, and then I would have to combine the two melodies, and then, only then, find the interval at which this could all be adjusted in order to create counterpoint at two different intervals. This is why this is complicated. Think about even finding this solution. These two themes which can be switched into two different places in the scale, then think about what the other voices would have to be doing. I'd have to use my London Bridges Falling Down, my American National Anthem, and those are two voices of four voices, but in reality the other two voices would also have to be doing something, and something really interesting. And I think this is why Bach, the ultimate master, the people coming after him were just like, I geez, okay, well, I just kind of want to be a minimalist or something. That's, you know, you see that in the classical style. You see them starting to do this Alberti bass thing instead of writing really complex counterpoint. The title of this one, a la duodecima, it means at the twelfth. That's a clue from Bach to us that the combination of these themes is going to happen at the twelfth. But when it happens at the beginning, it's not at the twelfth. It's at the fifteenth, or that's to say if I simplify that interval, that's at the eighth, or to say the octave, or if I were to simplify that interval, that's really the same note. So really, in the beginning, this first theme and the artifugue theme both happen on D. So Bach will shift it to the twelfth, but where? Well, for those of you who have heard me talk about a golden section or the golden section in a fugue, you know that something very special is going to happen there. And yes, this will be the golden section where Bach will bring in the combination finally shifted up to a different interval. That's amazing to me. Bach, just the master architect, not only able to find the solution, execute the solution perfectly in all four voices, but he does it. He adjusts the interval of the imitating melody 
right at the golden section. And that that's just incredible. As I promised in the last episode, which was the Jack Stratton interview, I would feature Wolfpeck's arrangement of the Ninth Contrapuntus. Here it is, and I'm going to speak over it to outline the structure. This, of course, is our first theme, heard in the alto, and we have not yet encountered it in the Art of Fugue. It is imitated right there in the soprano voice. And in the bass here. It is a simple fugue until the Art of Fugue theme appears in the soprano right here. And the first theme is in the tenor. That's a double fugue. It's the clue that it's a double fugue. And in the tenor voice, we're gonna hear the Art of Fugue theme in the tenor voice with the quicker first theme in the alto. Small episode. Art of Fugue theme in the alto. First theme of the bass. An episode. Artifuge theme in the tenor voice with the quicker first theme in the alto. Now listen to this. There, that's funkified, funkified Wolfpack. Because this is. Getting to the point, the golden section right here, both themes, the outer voices, the artifuge theme in the bass, and the first theme way up top in the soprano, a twelfth away, that's counterpoint at the twelfth, a la duodecima. Okay, so that was Bach going out, now he's gonna go in, we're G minor now, and the first theme, both themes are actually in the middle voices, he went from the outer voices to the middle voices. First quick theme, jagged theme in the tenor, and the artifuge theme in the alto. And here we have the final cadence. And the Wolfpeck touch. Thanks, Jack, for letting me use that recording for the episode. You can hear a stereo version of that arrangement by Wolfpack on YouTube, and it also comes with a really interesting visualization. So this sort of jagged line that I'm talking about actually looks like a jagged line across the screen, and maybe this can help with some of your understanding. Now, if I'm going to be your guide through this contrapuntal journey, I should be the first one to tell you that the road ahead is a little bit dangerous, and your guide himself doesn't exactly know every corner of it, and the road ahead is the fact that, yes, Bach calls this work a la duodecima at the twelfth, but I'm not exactly sure why. I only have a theory why, and probably I'm going to learn why many years down the road, unless someone listening right now knows exactly why, but let me tell you. First, we start out in D, and when the combination of the first theme and the second theme occur, they occur at the note D, which is the same note. Now, in measure 45 there, it's very interesting. It goes into the relative major. You could hear the artifuge theme in the lower voice and the quick theme in the upper voice. But they are not starting from the unison. They're actually starting on the fifth, on the fifth, which is sort of the simplified interval of the twelfth, but it is not a twelfth, albeit it is a fifth. And that sort of goes back to the unison 
closer to bar 59 when when we've got the upper voice with the art of fugue theme and the lower voice quicker but they are both starting from d bar 73 interesting we're in a minor now and we have the tenor and the alto that is the inner voices also starting at the interval of a fifth okay then we have our longest episode leading right up to the golden section and then of course at the golden section we have in the outer voices as i said finally the 12th so that is the artifugue theme in the bass and the quicker theme in the soprano and that this you are listening to a perfect 12th so finally there we get it at the 12th so the question that i have of course is is it called at the 12th because it comes at the 12th only in d minor that to me seems a little bit fishy that seems like that's not very bachian to call it the 12th if it only comes in one particular key at the 12th it seems like there probably is something else that i don't quite have my hand around my fingers around that is at the 12th that has something to do with, I don't know, the 5th being an inverted 12th or there being some sort of hidden thing that I'm not seeing in the score. But again, that's why this is such a wonderful journey because it's like no matter how many times I go over these notes, I'm going to figure something out. So if you know the answer, give me a shout out, give me a DM, give me a D minor, baby. Uh, your contrapuntal guide is a little contrafused. Okay, we are going to wrap this episode up with the Hans Center orchestrated version of the Art of Fugue. This was actually the first version of this counterpoint that I heard. It's a full orchestra. It's really nice. You've got the winds and everything doing the uh, Art of Fugue theme and the strings doing the quicker theme. Uh, a few housekeeping items. One of my wonderful fans and friends told me that my pronunciation of the blind German organist Helmut Walcher's name is not exactly as it should be pronounced that ch as in Bach should be a little bit more pronounced like the ich as in ich as in ich bin ein Berliner so that should be a little bit more Helmut Walcher so thank you Patrick for sending me that and uh, I just took a look the other day I was curious because now we've passed 10,000 listeners thank you very much but uh, no one's listening in Oklahoma seriously it's the only state in the United States of America that there is no one listening so please put that big finger okay uh-huh Oklahoma put the big finger on the play button and listen to some some art of you got there how come no one's listening in in Oklahoma people are listening in 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 Hawaii they're listening all over Australia they're listening in in El Salvador someone's listening in El Salvador I thank you um okay let's wrap this up here thanks very much for listening Thank you.
WTF Bach podcast. We are a brand new podcast and we want to hear from you. Got suggestions? You want a specific piece of Bach analyzed by Evan just for you? You can write to us. Do you want to partner with us? Write us at the WTF Bach podcast. Send us a donation on Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. WTF Bach. Help keep this podcast alive. Support us. Find the links in the episode description. What a great day to be listening to WTF Bach. Thank you for listening.